way, way up north, far in the Canadian Arctic. There's a lonely, windswept island. No trees, nothing, just pebble beach backed by mountains. Even in summer, it can be well below freezing on this island. Sheets of ice float by in the bay. A crisp wind whips across its pebble beaches. And there are no signs of life. Out here, standing alone on this rock, are four simple wooden headstones. These graves are the remnants of one of the most infamous Arctic expeditions of all time. I'm Dylan Thuris, and this is Atlas Obscura, an exploration of the world's strange, incredible, and wondrous places. In this two-part series, we are going to venture out towards those frozen graves, following two groups of adventurers, separated by more than 170 years. And we'll play witness to the disasters that befell them all. Yeah, yeah. So I, uh, I had a great time. That is after this. When was the last time I took a road trip? How many national parks could I hit in two weeks? What about hotels? Wait, hey, Erica, how much am I spending on travel? When your questions about life turn into questions about money, there's Erica, the virtual financial assistant to help you spend, save, and plan smarter. Only from Bank of America. What would you like the power to do? Erica is only available in the English language. You must download the latest version of the mobile banking app, only available on select mobile devices. Your chat may be recorded and monitored for quality assurance. Message and data rates and additional terms may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. If you're looking for a place where the wide open skies and the towering mountains inspire you to find an untapped part of yourself, you might want to take a trip to Wyoming. It's a place where bold, curious spirits forge their own way on all types of adventures. There is no shortage of iconic, expansive landscapes out there. You can discover breathtaking hikes, stunning state parks, authentic Western culture, and other historic sites, along with the tales of famous outlaws like Butch Cassidy and pioneers like Buffalo Bill Cody. The truth lies west. Discover yours at TravelWyoming.com. Iron Man in Wooden Ships. A description of heroism never more apt is when applied to those who braved the Arctic. I have to admit that I am a sucker for true life adventure stories. The extraordinary tales, the human spirit against unforgiving odds, I, I kind of eat it up. My bookshelf is embarrassingly full of these kinds of stories. And included among them, of course, is one of the classics, one of the epics, the story of the Franklin Expedition. Sir John Franklin was, at 59, a veteran of two overland expeditions in the North American Arctic. On the morning of May 19th, 1845, Captain John Franklin said goodbye to his wife, Lady Jane Franklin, and stepped aboard his new ship. This was the beginning of his fourth Arctic mission. He already had a reputation for being tough. His nickname in the press was the man who ate his boots, because during one of his previous Arctic expeditions, he and his crew had survived by eating lichen and their own boot leather. At nearly 60 years old, Franklin was embarking on one more mission, one that he knew would define him. Franklin 
was attempting the Victorian era's version of the moonshot. Franklin was going to try and chart the Northwest Passage. Finding the passage was all about money, about trade. European countries had wanted a faster route to Asia so that they could do more exporting. And the expeditions to find this trade route date back to 1497. The voyage meant sailing up and over North America through the incredible expanse of Arctic ice in order to ultimately reach the other side, the Pacific Ocean. And even as the route lost its luster as an economic possibility, the British stayed obsessed with charting it. By the time Franklin set sail in 1845, many had tried, failed, and died. The two ships on the expedition, the HMS Erebus and the HMS Terror, had been reinforced to withstand the ice, and they were being sailed by an experienced crew of 134 sailors and officers. They even had a monkey on board named Jacko. But most of all, they had lots and lots of food. 36,000 pounds of biscuits, 32,000 pounds of salted beef, 8,000 tins of preserved meat. They had 1,000 pounds of just mustard and 3,600 gallons of booze. It was enough food to last every sailor for three years. When did you decide to go to the Arctic? What kind of incited you to want to take that trip? You know, I have no idea. Other than I like adventures, uh, I was interested in the Franklin expedition. That's John Stewart. And in 2018, 173 years after the Franklin expedition sailed, John Stewart of Thunder Bay, Canada, climbed onto a little Zodiac, kind of inflatable boat, and motored out to a large cruise ship floating in the Arctic Bay. At 91 years old, John Stewart was almost certainly the oldest passenger on the expedition. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, you know, I'm not one to go and sit on the beach down in Florida. and uh, I, I like to follow history if I can. The ship John was boarding was called the Academic Iofi, and it was part of an Arctic tourist cruise run by a company called One Oceans and sailed by an experienced Russian crew. What did you say your name was again? The purpose of the cruise was to follow in Franklin's footsteps, to bring Franklin-obsessed travelers one step closer to the object of their historical fascination. And the ship, the Iofi, was carrying a total of 126 people, just about the size of Franklin's original crew. Although, to be fair, the cruise expedition that John Stewart was on was a little bit cushier than Franklin's. Meals were served via a buffet line, and there were optional yoga classes. John had opted for the cheaper shared bunk option. So I shared a cabin with uh, somebody I'd never met before. And uh, I was shown to my cabin, and I was the only person there. But eventually, this young, good-looking spy fellow stepped in, and I'm your bunkmate. (laughs) And that fellow was me. I think we both hit it off pretty well at... uh, very short period of time, I think we became good friends. That's right. That's right. I was there as part of an Atlas Obscura trip, helping to make sure our travelers got what they needed. 
But John wasn't actually one of our Atlas Obscura travelers. He was just my delightful, unexpected 91-year-old bunkmate. But that first night, John and I stayed up talking. And he told me all about his wife and their three sons. Uh, matter of fact, when they were young, we did a lot of canoeing around here. Great canoe country up here. But they were quite adventurous trips, and I really enjoyed them. That, uh... He told me all about his adventures and about how he'd been traveling alone more since his wife passed away. And even how just a short time before our trip, he'd actually lost one of his three sons in a biking accident. It's a sad thing, but... It's life. You can't do anything about it. We had some wonderful times together. And uh, 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 almost every year we went on some major holiday somewhere. Hmm. That evening, I made a note to myself. John and I were going to stick together on this trip. He was the hardiest 91-year-old I had ever met. But I figured we could both use a good crewmate. On July 6th, 1845, Captain John Franklin wrote home from the Whalefish Islands, just off the coast of Greenland. It was a letter to his wife and daughter telling them not to worry, even if he was gone for many years. Part of the plan was for the Franklin expedition to spend multiple winters in the Arctic, and the ship was provisioned to last that long. As the Franklin expedition left the coast of Greenland, One of Franklin's crew drew a pencil sketch of the Greenland Bay, a lovely image of a single ship floating alone, surrounded by ice and rock. And with that, the crew began to sail up and over the very top of the globe. Of course, Franklin and his crew were not actually the first explorers to make it this far into the Northwest Passage. And the idea that they could even discover it was wrong. The Arctic waterways running from Greenland to Alaska had already been home to Arctic and Inuit peoples for over 4,000 years. By the time Franklin came to find it, the Northwest Passage had been thoroughly explored by Inuit tribes as they hunted, fished, and settled across thousands of miles of Arctic coastline. And as Franklin's expedition headed deeper and deeper into the Arctic, the Inuit watched from afar, observing his progress through the passage and into the dangers that they already knew. Here on Beachy Island, at the upper reaches of the passage, are the graves of three ordinary sailors, doomed by extraordinary circumstances. During the first winter in the Arctic, the Franklin expedition hit an impasse, a frozen expanse of ice that they couldn't sail through. So they tried to turn around, but they were stuck. The way back had frozen solid. That, in and of itself, wasn't the end of the world. They were in the Arctic. It was full of ice, and they had expected something like this to happen. So they settled in for the first winter. And during that winter, the first touch of death visited the expedition. Three men, 20-year-old John Torrington, 32-year-old William Brain, and 25-year-old John Hartnell, all died from some combination of pneumonia, malnourishment, zinc deficiency, and, and lead poisoning. In fact, they may well have been ill when they first boarded the ship. When he died, 20-year-old John Torrington only weighed 85 pounds. All three were buried on Beachy Island. The very graves John and I were sailing off to sea. 
On the second day aboard the academic Aofi, John and I woke up, and along with all the other new passengers, we went into what was called the mudroom, where we practiced putting on our foul weather gear. Basically just huge waterproof waders and boots. The ocean water temperature was around 28 degrees or just below freezing. So these weren't going to do you much good if you actually fell into the water. But they were meant to keep you from getting soaked when you went out on one of the little Zodiac boats. After that, we clomped our way up onto the deck where we all got trained in the use of the lifeboats. As we listened to the instructions, we stood along the bow of the ship and looked out at this new landscape in front of us. The wind was overpowering. The Arctic Ocean lapped against bare rocks. There were no trees, just water and stone. To my unfamiliar eyes, the landscape felt inhospitable and barren. Just about done with our introductory training, we all filed down below to watch a PowerPoint about how to avoid getting eaten by polar bears. And I remember the room was dark, so we must have been showing PowerPoints. But uh, as we were sitting there listening to this, all of a sudden there was a huge crash. I could still hear it. It, it, uh, Just like somebody was beating an oil drum with steel bars. It was just... And then we were thrown forward uh, off our chairs and... uh, Obviously, we hit something, and I think you could safely say we were between a rock and a hard place because we had hit a rock. Uh, We were all sent to our cabins and told to stay there. The ship was listing at an angle that made it hard to walk. And as John and I slowly made our way back up the stairs, we saw the Russian crew, which up until this point we hadn't seen that much of, now running all over the place, shouting in Russian, all wearing their life jackets. And the ship continued to sway at this nauseating angle. John and I made it back to our room, and we put on the foul weather gear we had just been trained to use, ready, potentially, to go back out on deck and lower those lifeboats down into the water. Our little tour here. And then we just sat, awaiting further instructions, waiting to hear whether we needed to abandon ship. So, anyway, been fun being with you, Don. <laughs> you and too, John. Okay. Take care and don't forget. We were keeping our spirits high, but truth be told, I was pretty nervous. Uh, now I can't remember his name. I can only think of Franklin. Oh, He's the wrong one. To, Franklin's the wrong one to think of. <laughs> yeah, we don't right, want to yeah. think of Franklin. We yeah. want to think of... Edmondson. Edmondson. And, Perry would be okay. Uh, Shackleton. 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 Yeah. Pray for Shackleton. Pray for Shackleton, not Franklin. As my 91-year-old bunkmate and I sat in our cabin, we were very much aware that we and John Franklin were exploring the same Arctic. The water and rocks outside my windows were just like what Franklin had sailed past himself. And everyone on my boat, including us, knew how the Franklin expedition had ended. So, (laughs) uh, yeah, we're in the Arctic and we run the ship aground. We're like literally stuck on a rock. Franklin's journey and my journey with Jon Stewart and who survives next time.
So it's a very exciting journey. Too probably too exciting for everybody here. Tune in tomorrow for the second and final part of this mini-series, Through the Arctic Ice. Our podcast is a co-production of Atlas Obscura and Witness Docs. The production team includes Chris Naka, Doug Baldinger, Camille Stanley, Sarah Wyman, Manolo Morales, John Delore, Peter Clowney. Our technical director is Casey Holford. Our theme and end credit music is by Sam Tyndall. This episode was sound designed by John Delore and mixed by Luce Fleming. I'm Dylan Thuris. Wishing you all the wonder in the world. Witness Docs from Stitcher. Travel is great, but planning for travel can be time consuming and difficult. That's where one travel comes in. With One Travel, you'll find everything you need to book the perfect trip. Flights, hotels, cars, transportation, it's all right there. With One Travel, you can book online, via app, or even pick up the phone and talk to a travel advisor ready to help you make your selections. Visit onetravel.com/music or call 855-437-2154. Plan it, book it, live it. One Travel. The world isn't wide enough for those with an insatiable desire for discovery. The all-new 2024 Lincoln Nautilus Hybrid SUV offers the power and freedom to explore further and deeper than ever before. Intuitive, smart features ensure that you're always connected to the road ahead. Inside, a thoughtfully designed cabin immerses you in a universe that is all your own. The larger-than-life panoramic display spans the entire width of the cabin. It's customizable and interactive. Drivers can even personalize their backgrounds with a series of nature-inspired themes. This vehicle signals the arrival of an exciting new chapter for Lincoln. Discover more about the 2024 Lincoln Nautilus at Lincoln.com.